This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Dylan and Tim today are joined by Doug Clayton. Doug is our uh, conservation chairman here at Pope and Young. So he is a, a board member and he is in the position of our conservation chair. So Doug, before we dive in um, and just so everybody knows, kind of what we want to do is, you know, we get the question a lot of what is Pope and Young doing for me? Uh, or why should I be a member? Or, um, you know, does Pope and Young actually do anything other than big animals for a record book and and all of those types of questions. So we want to have Doug on our conservation chairman and just tell you those very things. What is Pope and Young currently doing for you? What have we done in the past you know, year? What are we doing coming up? And just kind of cover all that stuff. So, Doug, before we jump in, though, can you give us an introduction to yourself and, and you know, your background with, with Pope and Young? Okay, well, so I retired from the Iowa DNR about 17 years ago and uh, was conservation officer in southwest Iowa. Been Pope and Young as a director from 2008 to 2018. And when Jim Williams, our past president, uh, asked me to step up as conservation chair at the time, was on for a two-year term, which is what all the appointed positions are. Uh, Neil Thigard came on after that for two years. And then Kurt Ebers, our current president, uh, appointed me to another two-year term, which I'm in current position right now. Uh, Pope and Young. Yeah, everybody looks at us as a records organization, but we are more. We just got to really put our horn out there a little bit more. Conservation, we've always been active in it. We're trying to be a lot more, uh, I guess, have more output in it right now. In the past, we used to uh, 
trying to think what's a good word for it. We used to uh, really support a lot of organizations, but they didn't have a lot of impact. We were almost too spread out. So the last couple of years, we're really trying to consolidate and concentrate our projects to maybe two, three, four in a year with a couple of organizations, partnering with other outdoor organizations to have a bigger impact with us, let the members see that. And the more they can see what we're doing on the conservation effort, hopefully we get more financial backing so we can even do more projects. And that is, you know, Pope and Young for, for the longest time, well, since its beginning has been a conservation organization um, fighting for the rights of bow hunters. And, you know, we have oftentimes said that if you have a bow hunting season in your state, you're welcome uh, because we were the ones that really put the, the the foot forward in creating bow hunting seasons and bow hunting opportunities, not only across North America, but in Russia and, and, and other countries to create bow hunting opportunities. However, it's one thing to say, this is what we did for you in the past, but it's another to say, this is what we are currently working on right now for you because Pope and Young every single week is fighting for your rights as a bow hunter. Now, have we done the best job of telling the public what we are currently doing? No. And that's what we're doing here today. We want to start making more of a conscious effort, not only to continue to protect your bow hunting rights, but to inform you on what Pope and Young is working on. Um, and so that's that's what we want to talk about. So um, in the past couple of years, Pope and Young has done some, like you said, funding relocation um, as, as to... Re reallocating funds to different conservation projects, different conservation organizations, um, you know, more boots on the ground type type activities with our members, our board members, our staff. Um, so why why the change? You know, what were we looking at that made us say, you know, we kind of need to revisit this and, and and reallocate some of this time, effort, and money. Well, I think the direction kind of came from our current president, Kurt Evers. Kurt is uh by that background he's financial and so he was looking how can we get more bang for our buck or whatever our money we're spending how can it uh have a better showing for it so that's where the concept came to and instead of having a lot of organizations knock it down to a few where we have a bigger impact financially and also again trying to really get to the point we can have which is that boots on the ground maybe have some members help out we had a couple of good projects uh last year on that we helped uh, fund with Wild Sheep Foundation on three different uh, projects. One was in Oregon. Tim uh, Rickards, uh, director, helped with that, along with Jason, our past uh, executive director. They're actually out there helping trap some of the sheep. Uh, this couple of weeks ago, Roy Grace, our current records chairman, along with his wife, Ann, helped in Arizona, or with the, I think it's with the Arizona Elkis Society, yeah. work on some guzzlers and help repair them. So we're actually getting out with those organizations and not just finance, but trying to get people on the ground, members to go out and actually help out also and spread the word. So Tim, talk about that, that project. Cause you, you had the pleasure of actually being there, which I was super jealous. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to come and be able to witness that and be a part of that. Just couldn't make it work with schedules. Um, tell us about that project, man. You know, being boots on the ground and being there, being involved. How did that look? What what all did you guys do? Well, first, I was excited to get the call when Jason called me. I was a little shocked. I thought he was joking with me. Um, all the years that I've been a volunteer for nonprofit, 
groups in Oregon that are national groups or state groups and all the projects that I've helped on, I've never had the opportunity to do a trap and to do it with sheep and having known Vic Coggins um, over the years and, and heard a lot about the program. I, it was a no brainer for me to jump in and help out. Um, in Oregon, we have like many Western States, we have um, two subspecies of bighorn sheep. They're considered bighorn sheep to Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, but we do have subcategories, Rocky Mountain bighorns and California bighorns. And in this area where we were at, um, both in the Snake River, the Imnaha Canyon, and a little bit up out of Troy in the Winnaha, um, I was down in the Imnaha, and that's mostly... I mean, that is all Rocky Mountain bighorn country. And we have had many years of pneumonia outbreaks in different areas. The three states in this area, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, work closely together on their sheep programs. We put so much money into sheep. They take the time, I mean, a dedicated amount of time all year round monitoring sheep and what we did was just a little piece of that. We hire, they have an organization, a, a team that comes in with their helicopter and their muggers, the guys that jump out after they've netted something and, and then wrangle them, get the, get the leg straps on and the blindfolds on and, and takes care of their, their temperament. That team comes in, um, shoots a net over a bunch of sheep. We're all freezing, standing in the wind and rain out on a big platform where they can land and they fly them in, as you've seen on some of the videos, set them down nicely, dust and everything's flying everywhere. And amazingly, this team has done this so many times that it's, you could hear a pin drop. One, they they tell us to be quiet, but you could hear a pin drop. Helicopter flies off to get more. And in a matter of moments, We've blood tested. We're either heating them up or cooling them down. We've no, we've done a swab in the nose. Um, one of us has a thermometer in the animal's rear, and we're making sure their temperature. And one one group of guys, their whole job is to carry the stretcher that the animal's on from landing site to release site. And so everybody has a tiny little job, and they do it so quickly and efficiently. Um. And then the last, of course, they put a collar on it and we release them and we may have trapped them five miles down the canyon and we may have just trapped one or five, sometimes five or six are coming in at once. It's a neat thing to see. It's it's really valuable for someone like myself to be on the ground and just experience that because I can answer a couple of the questions if they're ever asked of me as to what goes on like you are now. And to just, you feel like you accomplished something. They're now monitoring with, with GPS. They're visually can identify these animals. They're getting the, the blood work and the test data back to find out if, if any animals um, overcome with something. And that's really important because then they can isolate that area, maybe try to treat it or prevent it from spreading. And then they, the, the, another huge part of this is they're working with some really big landowners in these areas to gain access. I mean, it's one thing to fly over airspace, but to trap, maybe travel across with vehicles. So imagine freezing cold March up in the Snake Canyon, 
beautiful, beautiful view, but windy and cold. And here's 30 people just basically all with our binoculars watching this helicopter team work. And then for brief little moments, we do a little something with the sheep and let them go. And, and uh, it's really neat to experience. Um, talked with a lot of bios, with the sheep foundation guys, with law enforcement, and of course, with the helicopter guards. It's amazing um, how many different projects they actually do for uh, these, these Western states, from moose to wolf to sheep, deer, elk, all of it. Um, it was neat to be a part of. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's what, you know, I wish when you see a video like that and, and, you know, they did a, an incredible job of capturing some of that, but when you see a video like that, a lot more goes into it than what you see on video. You know, the video shows kind of the feel good stuff of bringing sheep in, letting them go, but it doesn't show, you know, how much real work is being done with those sheep. Um, so with Pope and Young being involved with something like that, what do you think? Well, not what do you think, but but what are we and what is Wild Sheep Foundation really hoping to gain and get from that that particular project? Well, obviously, we want exposure. You know, we want our members and we want the public, the hunting public, the non-hunting public, you know, even if it's for just a brief second to know that we are putting in time, money, and effort to support an agency who's tasked with managing our wildlife. We're supporting that. Um, whether we get a video clip or some photos, um, that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect, though, really is partnering with other organizations so our, month, so our dollar does spread further and working with agencies whom often you know, we are complaining about, we're saying, oh, they're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. But 90% of the time, we really don't know what they're doing. We just think of, you know, people sitting at a desk, pushing papers. I, you know, I worked yeah. for the state for many years. I know perceptions of different agencies. And then, you know, what really goes on to see this group of staff, one gentleman I've, I've known him for a long time, Mr. Whitaker, he Don has been doing this for years and it's, he could do it blindfold and, and probably in a sleep, but all the other bios from fish to big game, to plant guys, to bird guys, they're in this area. They all help each other. We're doing this mm -hmm. big project um, to just have our name associated with that is very valuable, but to, for the public and, and, and hunters, especially to know that this work is being done. We're working with them, and I think it. I think it gives the project, for some reason, more credibility. Oh well, if there were hunters from Pope and Young there, it must be really worthwhile. But if you just read about it in the ODF and W newsletter, hey, we trap thirty sheep in the canyon and put collars on. They think, oh, big waste of money. What are we doing that for? Um, if someone can go out and volunteer and participate in habitat projects. We've known this for years. If you participate and have the opportunity to, you better value not only the agency and the effort and the purpose, but you you have you're a little more vested in in wildlife and hunting. Yeah. You're putting your money where your mouth is. You're invested. Exactly. Like you know, and that's why nobody's invested in anything anymore. You know what I mean? Nobody puts their money where their mouth is anymore. Um, 
I just want, all, want, want. Yeah, they all want it given to them. And and that is what, you know, until you know what it takes to protect hunting rights, that's why we tell you to become a member of Pope and Young, because there's power in numbers. We need your support. What means more when we go before state legislation and say we represent 10,000 bow hunters, or if we go before state legislation and say we represent 1 million bow hunters, what means more? What carries more weight? You have to join in this fight and be invested in protecting your rights. And I've said this before, and it sounds harsh, Doug, but listen, here's the way I look at it. If your hunting rights get taken from you tomorrow and you weren't a part of your state organizations, if you weren't a part of your national organizations, then you have no right to complain because you were doing nothing to stop it. If you're not a member of Nebraska Bow Hunters Association and Pope and Young and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Ducks Unlimited or Pheasants Forever, whatever it is that you like to hunt and you want to help protect. If you're not invested in those things and those rights get taken from you, you don't have a right to complain. That's the way I look at it. And so that's why Pope and Young, we are all, every single board member and every single staff member here is passionate bow hunters. That's why we do what we do because I want to be invested in the future of bow hunting. I want to work. I want to put forward an effort to protect my rights as a bow hunter. And so that's why we as Pope and Young do does what we do. And that's why you need to be a member because we need people who are invested in protecting bow hunting rights and bow hunting opportunities for sheep or for elk or for mule deer, whatever it is. We're protecting your rights as a bow hunter for all species. And that's why we need you. We need you to be invested so that we can continue to do what we do to protect your rights. Doug, um, what all, I mean, do you know a whole lot about what Roy and them did? Because, you know, I, I don't want, you know, working on a guzzler to get overshadowed by sheep because that, that happens a lot, but that project with elk is just as important because you're providing elk the things they need to thrive and survive and to grow and to manage healthy herds. Um, so are you familiar with a lot of what they did there in, in Arizona with the elk society? Not a lot. What I basically saw is what Roy wrote up and the pictures that he had. And you could see the guzzler situation. I guess it was just the old, I'm going to say like tin bottom that would funnel the water into a retaining system that was destroyed over the years, stuff yeah. like that with my animals or something such like that. So they went in, they did the first project was remove the old one. I think they're coming back. He said within a week or two, something like that, actually down new tin or a new bottom to actually funnel the water in. Like you said, it's the Elk Foundation down there, Arizona Elk Society is one uh, uh, heading the program, but it's not just elk. It's every other animal that's going to benefit from that water, whether it's sheep or it's uh, hunting species, deer, birds, hunt species, the birds, whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's benefiting all wildlife. And so yeah. those kind of projects are essential, especially when you look at droughts and stuff going on in certain areas like that, the different climates, how things are changing so rapidly. You need the water in the desert. Without water, nothing lives. Yeah, absolutely. Doug, before we move on, I, I got a couple of questions for you I, I want to make sure and hit. But before we move on, guys, we announced today the hiring of our new executive director, Justin Spring. Uh, which we are very excited about. Um, I'm going to actually, Tim, I want you to talk just a little bit because you have, you know, a, a strong working history with Justin. Um, but we're incredibly excited about Justin being our new executive director, uh, the direction that Pope and Young in its entirety is going. And so tune in next Tuesday. Uh, we're going to have Justin on and do a full interview and talk about, 
you know, him coming into Pope and Young, what he wants to see done, what he wants to do, um, why he wanted to come to Pope and Young. Uh, spoiler alert, it's because he's a passionate bow hunter and he wants to protect his rights. But um, we're going to talk all of that with Justin. So tune in next Tuesday to hear all of the details on Justin, his hiring, um, and, and what all he wants to see done at, at Pope and Young. Tim, why are you excited about Justin? Um, I can tell you why I am, but um, you have a, like I said, you have a close relationship with Justin and, and uh, you guys have worked together uh, on the Boone and Boone and Crockett Pope and Young crossover a lot together. So um, what do you see with Justin coming on board? Well, I think, and and I, I really hope Doug sees this the same way. Um, Justin isn't just a records guy. It's a great, great cliche thing to say from my position, we're not just a record book, right? And we're talking about conservation today. Justin and I have a little bit longer background than you may know. We're both from Oregon. He grew up on the coast out of Coos Bay and he has a biology background. And when he first came to Boone and Crockett in the position he was in, he didn't, he wasn't an official measure yet. It was his biology experience um, that really kind of led him there. His wife is a huge I call her a bugologist. I don't really even know what they're called. <laughs> She's a biologist about and deal, deals with bugs. And so it's fascinating to be around them because they know every plant and bug and bird and, and everything. But what he brings to Pope and Young, um, besides his records experience, is a lot of passion for conservation. And as you know, Boone and Crockett is the oldest conservation organization in North America. Having that experience is going to be very valuable. I'm excited to see the type of conservation projects that he and Doug can put together and get involved in with Pope and Young. It's going to be neat. Um, he he will stay and live in uh, a little town outside of Missoula still. Um, he's going to be a great addition, obviously, easy transformation for me and, and his understanding of records. But quite possibly, the real strongest value out of the gate might be his his biology and conservation background. Yeah. Well, and you know, Justin, like you said, man, he has such a big way of thinking. And and that sounds again, maybe a little cliche, but because again, you think of, of more of those guys of like, man, they are records driven, they're number driven, but then you have a conversation with Justin and he's got these crazy big ideas about conservation, about the future of hunting as a whole, about, you know, what we can do as an organization and as hunters to better represent ourselves and to carry ourselves. And I am, that's why I am incredibly excited about Justin because he's just got a big way of thinking and he sees things in the long run, if you will. Uh, he sees things, not only how can we fix things for today, but how can we in, in, encourage the future of bow hunting and, and not just bow hunting, but bow hunting in general, uh, hunting in general, um, conservation efforts in general. I mean, he's just a, he's a thinker, man. And he's got some really good ideas. And so I'm incredibly excited guys tune in next week. It's going to be a good conversation with Justin. Um, so Doug, what is a, give us an introduction to the AWCP, what they do, um, what Pope and young does with them and kind of how all of that works together for conservation efforts. Well, AWCP is American Wildlife Conservation Partners, and there are roughly about 50 other conservation organizations. It's kind of an umbrella group. 
there's no dues or anything. They just came together. Boone and Crockett uh, formed, came up with the concept of the uh, organization quite a few years ago. Uh, Dr. Dave Samuel was our conservation chair at the time with Pope and Young, and he was at the initial meeting, I think, we were at Missoula. And basically what it comes down to is their biggest aspect is what we call sign-on letters. Uh, there might be some legislation coming up that some organizations opposed to. They will write a formal letter uh, to your congressmen, senators, stuff like that, and ask for other organizations to sign on to what it comes down to with those sign-in letters you're looking million millions of hunters state federal wildlife officers and other legislative people who are uh, wildlife backed supporting this legislative change or supporting not or you know trying to not support uh, bad legislation and basically what it comes down to just backing anything and supporting wildlife and scientific based research and so with all these voices coming in, AWC is a big input. They have two meetings. One is usually in March is what they call the North American, which is the meeting of all your state and federal fish and wildlife agencies get together. Some of your nonprofits are there too, like Pope and Young. Then we also have a summer meeting. We just had one in August. There's a Big Sky Montana for that meeting. And... It works pretty good. And how Pope and Young works with AWCP, we will get letters from these from the organizations. Usually Taylor Smith is with the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. We'll send them out. And I will forward them. We have a small subcommittee with them, Pope and Young. It's all our past conservation chairs. It's uh hope we don't miss anybody. It'd be Neil Thagard, Mike Slagle, Jack Frost, and Merrick Compton. Merrick's on the board right now, also. And what I do is send those letters to them looking for their input and guidance also. And there's very few letters we don't sign on to, but they'll give me back their feedback. Then I'll sign on Pope and Young's name. Then our name is listed along with the other organizations where this, where this letter goes to all the uh, federal legislators. So Pope and Young has the benefit of looking at everything through bow hunter's eyes. And we get to look at things, you guys, the, the conservation board gets to look at things and decide, is this good for bow hunters or is this not good for bow hunters? And so for those of you who are out there and you're like, well, how do they decide? We decide with your best interest as a bow hunter in mind. You know, we don't have to look at things and say, well, does this help bird watching? Does this help? Now, again, like we have alluded to, by helping elk, we are helping mule deer and we're helping songbirds and we're helping we're helping the environment as a whole but we look at things in bow hunter's eyes and so you can if you are a passionate bow hunter you can rest assured that everything pope and young is doing is for your benefit as a bow hunter because doug and and Merritt and jack and and those guys they're looking at things how does this impact the future of bow hunting is it a negative impact or a positive impact and so that is again why Pope and Young is is so important for bow hunters because that's what we look at everything with those bow hunting goggles on, if you will. Um, so Merritt, what are some or not Merritt? Sorry, I just said Merritt. So Doug, what are some reasons you wouldn't sign off on things? You said very few things we don't sign off on. What are those kind of red flags that make you say, you know, this probably isn't something that Pope and Young wants to stand behind? 
I, in truth, I'd be hard pressed to remember one I haven't signed on. So the majority, like you said, it's maybe it's not specifically related to bow hunting, but it might be it might be in just the sage grouse or something like that. But again, you sit and look; everything is interconnected. You help save, especially when it's habitat related. You help habitat for one species. It's not just that one species benefit; it's something else that lives within that microcosm, that ecosystem. So that's where the AWC comes in. We've got I said bow hunting. We've got Pope and Young. You got Boone and Crockett. You've got uh, angling associations. You've got fishing organizations. You've got state associations. You have federal organizations. All stuff like that. So when we come from every background you can think of, there's forestry in there also. So again, just you look at nature, it's called a web of life. Everything is connected. Nothing is isolated by itself. So when you do something, it either impacts them positively or negatively. So that's what you kind of weigh out and look at everything. But every decision you make, whether you think it's just on deer or elk or this flower, it's, that's going to impact something else. So that's you have to take the broad look at and make a decision on things. How often... Is Pope and Young signing off on on these letters? Oh, uh, might get a couple of a month. You might get one one a month. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just when legislation basically rears its ugly head half the time. Because most of these are, I shouldn't even say that. I guess a lot of these are positive things. We're seeing something coming up. We just had some wildlife crossing stuff. We've had there's uh, thinking we're just signed on. It's on. Uh, like CWD situation. So that's all positive. We want to get funding for that, keep that going. Sometimes you'll get some stuff where it's maybe an anti-hunting aspect. They're trying to restrict some uh, hunting or access someplace. So we'll sign on with that too, along with the organizations that keep stuff open. So it really varies. It goes 180 from trying to close something to where we want to keep uh money going in to open up something. It just, it's a wide variety of topics. Well, and the reason I ask is because I also think that, you know, to the general public's eye, they're thinking, well, how often can these issues actually be coming up? We only hear about the the major big ones, you know, shutting down bow huntings in certain counties or, or, you know, banning this in this County, you know, the general public only hears about the big ones, but Pope and young is constantly having these issues come across their desk. And that's part of the benefit of what of what we do, of what we do in in partnership with these other organizations, with the AWCP, is we're putting these things to rest before they ever get made into a big deal for the general public to hear about. So Pope and Young is constantly, I mean, if it is every two a month, that's every other week, we're constantly going forward and fighting for your rights as a bow hunter. So with that being said, Doug and Tim, you can both answer. Why do you think if you had 30 seconds to convince a bow hunter why they need to be involved in Pope and Young, what would your reason be? I guess, Fix, let's kind of start off. If you just want to make sure you can keep whether it's hunting in general, bow hunting specifically, something like that. Like you mentioned earlier, you need to belong and be a part of something, whether it's your little local organization within your, your town, whether your state organization with the Iowa Bow Hunter Association, do something nationally, Pope and Young, Professional Bow Hunter Society, something, belong, 
and not only just belong and pay your $25, $35 or something like that for the organization, become involved with them. Try to do, maybe get on their board, be a representative, spread the word around, get involved. That's the best, best thing you can do, be involved. And that's something too, and Tim, I didn't, don't mean to cut you off there, but that's something too as well. Your state organizations are looking to us as well. You know, we get phone calls from Texas Bowhunters Association and, you know, just recently, two weeks ago, it was New Mexico um, reaching out to Pope and Young saying, hey, this is what we currently need help with. Can you help us? So, you know, not not saying we're bigger and better than anybody else, but when push comes to shove, we're stepping in and helping them to say, you know what, we represent Bowhunters on a national scale, not just in New Mexico. And this can't happen. You can't do this. This is stupid. Um, so I just wanted to make that note that we are we work alongside your your state organizations. Um, we are working on building bigger and better relationships with every state. Um, some states, obviously, we have a better connection with others just because, you know, I live in Kansas, so I have a, a good connection with Kansas Bowhunters Association and so on and so forth. But we're working on creating a better connection with every single state that way if an issue comes up anywhere we're made aware of it and we can step in and help so tim what about you man well i think you both nailed it um i i have conversations with people all the time whether it's the 18 year old that's just getting ready to go off to college and start living his his life or the gentleman that's retired and and the the, the kids are out of the house and he has time um we all have different levels of involvement if you're in a point in your life where I need to give money to something, just a little bit of money every year to, to, to feel like I'm involved and to keep up on what's going on, start at your local range, go to your state bow hunting organization, go to a national level. Um, it's not, it, it usually is not really a cost issue. It's, it's time and effort. You, you, your life will change. Your ability to get involved will change. But getting involved, even just by paying a membership and reading the magazine, is significant. It really does make a difference. So for me, it's another piece of my effort as an outdoorsman and as a hunter and as a bow hunter, staying connected with the community of bow hunting and doing something for conservation and bow hunting by by being a member. Absolutely. Doug, what do you think? What do you think the biggest victory, hunting victory, has been in the past five years? Well, I'd be hard pressed to think of something offhand. I just just even just keep on hunting opportunities that we have. We've expanded some, especially in some of the national wildlife refuges and stuff like that. So it's it's something that's ongoing. It's something that's never going to stop. Because the antis and those that want to stop hunting and close things off like that, they are just, they're going, you know, 365 a year. We have to do the same thing to make sure that doesn't happen. We have to keep things open. So we just got, again, got to be active. Like Tim mentioned, even if you can't, time is probably the most precious thing we've got. Everybody has a little bit of money can do, but between young younger people raising families, changing jobs like that, time is critical. So if you can actually put in the time to help these organizations, it's great. If you can't, again, join, read the magazines, keep updated, 
so you know what's going on and maybe you can assist them, whether it's like a phone call or writing letters and things like that. But again, you can be involved doing that. So let me just make a couple notes here. That's the reason I asked. Because there, there really isn't, you know, one big giant victory. Because that's not how the non-hunting public works. They want to kill us death by a thousand cuts. You know, they're not going to come in and say no more bow hunting in the United States of America. It's not how they work. They're not going to even come in in one state and say no more bows are legal in Kansas. That's not what they're going to do. But they're going to come in and they're going to say, well, how about no more turkey hunting with a bow in Kansas? How about no more black bear hunting in New Mexico with a bow? How about no more? How about no more cougar hunting in Arizona? I, they're going to come in with all these little bitty things and try to take us down little by little, you know, until those victories start stacking up. But I also say that because there have been some things come across our desk and Doug, you can attest this. I promise you, if they would have made it through, they would have been monumentally big. And so it's one of those things that the, the non, the non conservation public or the general public, if you will, they don't even hear about it because we stop it before it ever gets big before it ever gets to that point of like, oh my gosh, we're on the verge of losing bow hunting in, in Nebraska. We stop it and we step in before it gets to that point. Now, there was not too long ago, I think it was probably two and a half years ago, that bow hunting seasons in certain counties in Georgia were on the chopping block in a big way. And so Pope and Young steps in alongside other organizations, much like you've mentioned, and we lend our voice so that doesn't happen. So that, you know, that's a big win. But again, it doesn't always happen in big waves where they're trying to take away everything from us. And it's going to happen little by little. And Pope and Young is constantly working every single month, if not two or three times a month, to help protect your rights as a bow hunter on different on different issues or different things that arise. Um, because again, just a couple weeks ago, they were trying to ban bear hunting and cougar hunting in New Mexico. And so we step in and we lend our voice and, you know, we, we help and we partner with, uh, how for wildlife on that, um, how for wildlife is another, uh, one of our good partners in conservation and we help them on their issues and, and, uh, help them sign off on certain things. But, um, I also want to make note of, of something else you said, even if you're a young person raising a family and don't have, you know, mass amounts of money to, to donate to conservation, I get that I have a young family. However, if you're a bow hunter, you spend a lot of money on archery, on bows, on arrows, on broadheads, on camo, on backpacks, on boots, on tents. You spend a lot of money, but you won't spend the 45 bucks to ensure that you have the right to continue to do that. 45 bucks a year. Many of you drop three, $4,000 on just your bow and the setup of your bow, but you're not willing to spend 45 bucks as a hunting insurance, if you will, for somebody to continue fighting for your rights as a bow hunter. That's outrageous to me. It's outrageous to me that you can walk into a, a, a store and walk out $4,000 poorer because of your bow, the sights, the rest, the stabilizer, the quiver, the arrows, the broadheads to go out and hunt, but you're not willing to invest $45 to help ensure your future as a bow hunter. That's outrageous to me. You know, I think this is something we've seen for years. I remember when I was 25, right out of college, got a new job, hadn't quite started a family. I got involved in a local organization and and I constantly, and still to this day, 
see and hear that argument. Uh, what, what what are they really doing for my $35, $45? I, it's 45 bucks. You know, I, we can point to a million things that we buy that we don't need that's $45. It's a mindset too. It's a mindset that one, even at a small level, I'm supporting an organization that I believe in, but they've got to know about us to believe in us. They've got to hear this. They've got to see what we do first to to buy in and to believe that we are of value. Once once you do that, um, I think hearing the talk, listening to podcasts, reading the magazine, talking to other like-minded people. Oh, you're a member as well. Didn't know that. You start getting, uh, you start having other interests at a small percentage will eventually become board members in the future. A small percentage will get hands on active, but finding that person, um, that's sort of a treat when you work for a, a nonprofit organization is to, to discover that person that wants to do just a little bit more. You don't have to be that person. We want to find you. We want you to get involved, getting involved at the membership level. We, we, Applaud that. We we know the value. You will see the value. Um, we were talking earlier about big wins or small victories. I think you nailed it. We see a lot of small victories that would have been big losses at every state, every state. Out here, we're facing it constantly. They're always coming another angle, whether it's going after equipment or their vision of ethics or a species or a method, it doesn't end. And if you think your vote doesn't count, if you think your $45 is a waste, I, I can't change your mind. But if you do believe you can make a difference, your $45 will. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of chime in a little bit. It's something I've said for quite a while. Unfortunately, what we're trying to fight against a societal change. You look 30, 40 years ago, a lot of organizations had a lot of members, whether it's your rotary, those kind of organizations. Back then, in those days, if you wanted to learn to bow hunt, you didn't have the internet. You maybe had Bow Hunter Magazine. That was about it at the time. So the only place you could learn went to your local organization. If you had a state association, that's who you learned with. You had mentors. You actually learned from those people. Jump forward 40 days to work today, you can go online, and in a matter of hours, you can see enough videos to know how to do stuff, but you don't have the experience and the years of doing it. And so it's that mindset where people used to belong to organizations. They don't anymore. And, you know, that's not just Pope and Young. It's not hunting. If someone could cut, find that formula to where I can talk you into joining an organization, no matter what it is, you'd be the richest man on earth because every organization would want that formula. There is no such easy answer to it. We keep trying, Pope and Young, we keep reinventing the wheel, trying to figure out how we can, we get pretty good members. You look at the magazine, we are new members every month, every couple of months like that, it keeps going up, look at the end of the year. This is fantastic. But if you look, we don't have the retention. How we can, if we can retain more people, our, our numbers will grow exponentially. But again, it's almost a societal background they don't like to join. And how we can break the, through that, that's the big question. You know, I think it's also a generational curse. The reason I say that is because the older generation, 
they know what it was like to not have bow hunting seasons. You know, you talk to guys, you know, I have a, a buddy here in Kansas and, you know, he's, he's old enough to remember when it was not, uh, when it was not legal to bow hunt deer in Kansas. And he's old enough to remember watching Pope and young help create that season. The younger generation and by, I mean, younger, uh, 50 even and below, they have always had a bow hunting season. And so they take for granted that somebody had to work to create that season and that somebody has to continue to work to, to maintain that season. They take that for granted. And so they don't see the value in becoming a part of an organization. Whereas that older generation, they see it as, you know what? I don't want to go back to not being able to bow hunt whitetails or elk or mule deer or muskox or you name it. I don't want to have to, I don't want to lose that again because I've been there without it and it sucked. So they see the value in protecting their rights. Whereas we, as a younger generation, I'm throwing myself in there. We take it for granted because there always has been a bow hunting season and we think there always will be. Well, that's, that's there won't the always will be unless we stand up and fight for those rights. There won't always will be. You made a good point there from the view, you know, years ago, you really look at wildlife management, mid-40s, when Elder Leopold came out with everything. That's when we started. So that's what, 60, maybe 80 years old, we've had really a, a wildlife management aspect going on. For hunting, I said, I'm 73. And you go back in the 40, 50 years like that, hunting opportunities were going. I can look when I was in college, 68 to 70, went in the service from 70 to 74. I came back here in Northeast Iowa, now we call it uh, the Volga River Rec area is about 5,000 plus acres. I know it there, oh my God, cross the river, I found deer tracks. I never saw them there when I was there the first couple of years. All of a sudden I'm seeing deer tracks and now look at Iowa, oh my God, it's, it's you know facetious, but it's like a white, you know, Pope and Young behind every tree now. We're one of the best uh, states everybody wants to come to for a chance for one heck of a nice deer, Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett. I'm looking back in the mid-70s, you're lucky you saw deer tracks at the time. So things have evolved. And so back then, yeah, we appreciate it more because we grew up with, in a sense, nothing. We've seen it grow. And like you mentioned, your generation, maybe a little bit younger like that. Also, they've always had these opportunities. So they didn't realize they haven't seen the battle, what was fought to get there, what was given up and stuff like that. So it's, you need to look at history so it doesn't repeat itself. That's kind of, hard reading some of that stuff. They need to read the history of wildlife management in the country, how things came about to make sure we can still keep doing this. Absolutely. Guys, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you right now to go to pope-young.org and click become a member. Uh, again, it's $45 to help ensure your rights as a bow hunter. Um, there's not many things that I would rather spend 45 bucks on. Um, in fact, all of my kids are members. Um, my kids are members and they're not even old enough to, to pull a bow back yet, but we, as, as bow hunters, we need to start breaking that generational curse now with the, this generation and saying, Hey, you know, I know you have a bow hunting season, but it might not always be like that. So we have to do things to, to, to protect your rights. So guys that challenge you, um, a youth membership is $10 a year. Um, your membership is $45 a year as an adult. So I would challenge you to start creating a culture of working to protect your rights as a bow hunter, pope-young.org. We need you. There's power in numbers. We can't do this without you. 
So go join today. Guys, don't forget also at pope-young.org right now, go to the store and throughout the rest of this week, when you spend 20 bucks, you get a free 12 ounce bag of black rifle coffee with every order. So if you just go on and buy a new t-shirt or a new hat, you're going to get a free 12 ounce bag of black rifle coffee. All of our new apparel from convention is now loaded up on the website. So all of those new shirts that everybody's been messaging me about saying, when can I get this? They're up there now. So go to pope-young.org, click the store button and start shopping all of our new apparel and get a free 12 ounce bag of black rifle coffee with that order. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a fantastic week. And again, make sure and tune in next Tuesday where we're joined by our new executive director, Justin Spring.